It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Oz Spears, uh, live from our Barangaroo studios. You've tuned in for the call. Ten stocks picked by you. I... Put those 10 stocks to our two experts on the panel. We do it all in one hour on this Monday, the 20th of February. Uh, make up the panel today, David Lane from Ord Minard and Brody Harold from Macro Capital, both from Brisbane. It's the battle of the Queenslanders in terms of the, uh, of the panel today. David, uh, afternoon to you. Good morning and afternoon to you, David. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. Uh, the daylight saving difference. Uh, Brody, how are you, mate? How's the uh, how's the earnings seasons treating you, Brody? Yeah, it's not too bad at the moment. A couple of surprises today. There's a, a few companies getting hurt, but all in all, the, the market's somewhat holed up. Yeah, what surprised you this morning? Um, Blue Scope Steel was down quite a, uh, a fair bit um, today as well. It's, look, it's one that we've sort of been in and out of quite a few times in the past. Thankfully, we're not in it at the moment. But other than that, probably nothing quite on the buy list just yet right. that is okay. uh, reported. Need to let the, the dust settle. Yeah. And David, I think you made the comment last week that the, uh, uh, the first two weeks of earnings season is always... You know, a good one when the stars come out and shine bright. That's right. And from this week on, you you get a bit of a mix. Yeah, that's often the case. You start to get uh, yeah a few concession uh, confessions coming out at this time of the year and or this time of the, the reporting season. Uh, and yeah, you know, we've seen in the US as well that the reporting season hasn't been uh, particularly good over there, and it's actually one of the, the worst they've had for for many, many years in terms of the, the number of uh, earnings beat. So, yeah, a little bit of a, a, uh, a more dour outlook at, at this mm. point in time. Okay. All right, let's uh, check the stocks uh, we're going to take a look at in the first half hour. Uh, Baby Bunting, Dicker Data, REA Group, Technology One and AMP. There's certainly been a mixture of results come out from those companies um, over the last week or two. But I thought I'd, um, stock of the day, uh, have a look at Charter Hall, uh, the big property developer and manager. First half profit fell 56% to $226.5 million, yet it reaffirmed its full-year earnings guidance. Uh, the group's preferred measure of operating earnings totaled $240 million, 9% down on the previous corresponding period, uh, reflecting earnings per, so per share post-tax of... Uh, Almost 51 cents, a decline of 10%, uh, revenue down 16%. Um, Charter Hall Managing Director and Chief Executive David Harrison says the focus remains on curating sustainable and resilient portfolios that deliver earnings growth for investors through all market conditions. Uh, Charter Hall, bit of a favourite of the market in terms of that REIT fund manager space. 
Uh, we've got the Charter Hall Long Whale Fund coming up later in the program for the for the guys to take a look at. Uh, but David Lane, Charter Hall, I thought is is a pretty good bellwether of that that property manager uh, sector. Uh, what did you think of the result, and is it really a warning sign? Well, the result uh, was actually a, a little bit better than uh, expectations, to be honest, although obviously the, the headline result was negative. Um, but as far as consensus forecasts are concerned, that the market was expecting it to be worse than that. So, um, yeah, they actually beat consensus forecast by about 13%. So well, I'm well, a little bit surprised. Yeah, by the, why did it get the, smashed on the market? Yeah, uh, surprised by that, to be honest, um, because as you said, the, their outlook is still reasonably positive. So I think obviously that the market, um, you know, is, is in the phase of, uh, you know, expecting um, that the, the property sector is going to get worse, uh, whereas, you know, their result didn't necessarily indicate that. Um, yeah, we've got a hold recommendation on it, but, you know, without preempting the the analysts' views, I suppose uh, you know may well have a look at at re um, yeah re uh, recommending it. Um, our fair value on the stock is fifteen eighty five, so it's you know wow. about sixteen percent below that at the moment. So yes. yeah, maybe today's share price reaction is a bit of an overreaction and could well be a a reason to look at buying the stock. Um, they maintain their dividend distribution is is fairly positive. And overall, they do have very low gearing as far as the this actual entity is concerned. Uh, and it, as you said, it's more the the funds manager, so it holds, uh, you know, gets a lot of income from from their property. Um, gearing's only about three percent, so you know, I think it's mm. probably looking reasonably attractive at current levels. Okay, uh, Brody, what do you think of Charter Hall, the result, and 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 the stock at these levels? I'm going to have to agree on that one. Look, it's a pretty big moment for, for such a stable business. Yeah. Um, obviously, you're getting exposure to the management group as opposed to the actual investment trusts as well. But I think if you just look at their clientele, it's about as blue chip as it gets. 20% um, of their business um, is leased through the Australian government. You've got names like Wes Farmers, Coles, Woolies, etc. as well. So, I mean, these are the types of businesses, they're not going to move if the rents go up. Um, they've got deep enough pockets that they'll just pay more. So not too many concerns about sort of the, the vacancy rates ballooning here. Um, and yeah, look, just with today's result, a um, bit of a surprise. I, I didn't think it was too much of a, a bad result as well. So comfortable to hold this one if you're in it, despite today's movement. Um, I think if you're long term, you're pretty comfortable in the space. Um, there's going to be sort of uh, periods where it just heads up and down. And if you're looking for a buy, maybe just hold off uh, a little bit longer. It's coming back down into that range where you're yeah, comfortable to start to accumulate it as well. So, look, just wait for the dust to, to settle on the back of the report. And, yeah, if you can pick it up at a, a good level, I'm comfortable okay. to do that as well. Interesting. All right, let's get into the stocks that uh, you want the panel to have a look at. And Brody. James wants a view on Baby Bunting, the uh, uh, the giant uh, baby retailer, um, which had a um, a shocking result, half year result. Chief executive is changing, um, full of issues. I tell you what, when they gave a trading update a couple of weeks ago, 
Just go through my notes back here while you were talking. Um, uh, the panel at the time said it was one of the, the better retailers that would survive a downturn um, if the economy turned down because it's very specific. Uh, parents will still go out and buy and particularly grandparents will pay the big bucks for the premium brands as I know as a grandparent, we get sucked into that sort of stuff. Um, Brody, what do you think of Baby Bunting? Yeah, I think it's one of these great opportunities that you can actually find at the moment. So I guess sort of retail as a sector is pretty beat down um, on this economic outlook. But you look at baby bunting, it's it's probably something that you'd put in a, a subsector called defensive retail. Right. Um, it's still paying you a great yield. It's actually got sort of quite a stronghold on the market. Um, it is pretty much one of the only sort of specialist uh, yeah, baby retailers out there. Um, so if you're looking, it basically sort of ticks our boxes at the end of the, the day. Um, I think sort of back in the 2017, 2018 period, there was this long um, drawn out process where a lot of the competitors were actually discounting. Yep. Um, and this is one of the things that actually popped up in their report that they brought out the other day is that their profit margins were sort of decreasing somewhat. Um, but what you actually tend to find in environments like this it's actually quite a good opportunity for them. As they are the sort of biggest specialist in the space, they can actually start to uh, take a lot of that market share off their competitors. And look, we think that's one of the things that they're actually doing at the moment. Look, they've actually been growing the business, opening more stores across Australia, um, actually sort of, uh, yeah, diversifying into New Zealand as well. So look, I think it is one of those ones you can actually start to accumulate pretty comfortably. Good long-term opportunity. Mm. Look, I... Uh, from a technical standpoint, it's going to be difficult to sort of pick the bottom on this one. That's why you do accumulate, start to pick up, uh, not your full allocation and just keep adding to it bit by bit as well. But yeah, one I'm comfortable to, to definitely go out and buy. Yeah, you look at that five year chart and it's about at the level of, the, um, of that pandemic crash back in March 2020. It's down to those levels, David Lane. Yeah, it is. It's certainly been... Uh been uh, trounced as far as the share price is concerned and and we were one of those that that did have a positive outlook on the company we had a, a buy recommendation going into the result um but have been surprised by the by the uh the poor result that came through uh so we've actually downgraded the stock from a buy to a hold uh and reduced our our fair value from 330 to 245 so they are trading at a bit of a discount to that um do agree with Brody that the long-term prospects for the business are good and the demographics are, are positive for it uh, and it is a, a market leader in that um, space. But the concerns in the short term are the fact that their costs increased by 15%, but their revenue only increased by 6.6%. So we're seeing a, a margin compression there. And that's one of the issues that uh, you know all retailers, I guess, are facing is that they're their cost of, of uh, goods is increasing, yet their revenues are uh, you know, potentially declining. And, and as far as baby bunting is concerned, it seems that January and February have been a bit softer for them. So probably in the short term, I'd be I'd be uh, waiting off. Uh, if you've got them, hold them because it's uh, a good long-term business, but I wouldn't necessarily be buying it at this level. Yeah, there's... So we've had a, a bit of a theme on the call over the last couple of months, David, that, that when there's a downgrade in a stock, you just wait, yep. for the you wait for the first upgrade. You might miss yeah. the bottom 
you know, 10% of the margin, but just wait until you get that first upgrade. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the case. That uh, usually the the first downgrade isn't the isn't the last, uh, yeah. and that uh, particularly in retail, I think in the, the current environment with the uh, concerns that you know, the, a lot of people have moving towards the, uh, the the mortgage cliff and the increasing interest rates and the impact that that will have on household spending. Um, yeah, probably no compelling reason to be jumping in at, at this point. But yeah, as you say, keep it on your watch list for, for an upgrade in the future. Yeah. And Brody, that, that's why you're saying just have a nibble at the moment, see how it goes. Yeah, look, it, it's going to be difficult to uh, try and pick the bottom of it as yeah. well. They say try and catch a falling knife. So look, accumulate slowly. Um, like I said, a lot of this sort of bad news has been somewhat priced into the stock. It's down what, uh, a bit over 50% since last year's report as well. So, yeah. yeah, look, accumulate slowly. Don't go in with your full allocation size. That gives you a bit more breathing room, and then you can just uh, wait and see and continue to accumulate when the price yeah. is right. Yeah, yeah, good advice. Um, David, uh, Ray wants a view on Dicadata, the big wholesale distributor of computer hardware, software, and related products. Uh, founded in... 1978, basically a, a founder-led company, is it? Um, it is. Through Australia yeah. and New Zealand? Yes, yeah, David Dicker, uh, yeah, founder of the business and, and still majority shareholder and uh, still very much involved in the business. Uh, and it has been a very successful one over time. Um, it is a profitable tech company, which is rare okay. to find. Um, but having said that, they pre-announced their results uh, on the 8th of Feb and uh, market was very disappointed in that. And uh, the share price fell about 10.5% on that day. And they haven't really recovered. They've continued to, to fall. Uh, so they're, they're down a fair bit over the last uh, 12 months, as you see there. Um, difficult business in that uh, they're effectively a wholesaler of, of computer hardware and software, um, it's certainly a, a, an, an essential service, I suppose, um, but heading into an environment where business confidence is, is lower, uh, probably the outlook in the short term uh, isn't, as, isn't as positive as it has been previously. As I said, they pre-announced the result. Uh, their actual result is, is coming out on the 27th of Feb. So I'd probably be holding at this point in time and waiting for that result mm. and, and hoping that given they've, they've already made an announcement, there, there may be something positive in the, uh, in the actual announcement on the 27th. Right, okay. Um, Brody, what do you think of Dicadata? Of course, uh, really benefited from the lockdown, everyone working from home because it's... Its big customers are, are the big corporates, aren't they? So as they put screens into people's lounge rooms so they can work at home, they rode that rise. Yeah, look, unfortunately, it's it's probably not something that we have too much interest in at the moment. Um, like uh, David mentioned before, um, they've already come out to the market, made a couple of those confessions. I, I think if you just look at the business, like it's high growth, um, it's relatively low profit in that non-defensive sector. Um, so their revenues are growing, but so are the costs pretty much in line as well. We've, we've pretty much seen that their NPAT has remained stagnant. Um, and yeah, any sort of revenues that are growing just means that they're increasing costs on salaries and financing. 
Um, they also have relatively large levels of debt at the moment. I think they've got around $223 million worth of debt on the year. So this is actually something that's increased their costs quite substantially. Um, and they're only sort of pulling in around $73 million worth of profit on a yearly basis. So I think if you just look at the basics at the moment, it's probably not one that's getting me too excited at this stage. Um, like David mentioned, it's, it's been on a bit of a downgrade cycle, missed expectations in their last three reports. Um, I think there's just probably plenty of better businesses out there, realistically. Um, I'm just going to sell and, and move on if I hold it. Okay. All right. Um, Brody, Michael wants to know if REA Group excites you, uh, the big uh, the big property platform, um, uh, which is uh, a, a big... Uh, holding of his News Corporation, got spun out of News Corp. Um, it's the biggest shareholder. What do you think of REA Group? Yeah, it actually does excite me, um, to be honest, David. Look, I'm, I'm happy to accumulate this one. I mean, it's such a powerhouse in the space. They've really just been sort of sold off um, on the back of the macroeconomic environment and obviously so the, the property sector at the moment. So, I mean, people sort of start to see that property prices are falling, listings are dropping, um, and they'll start to sell off their REA shares. But if you look at how they make their money, um, it is the number of clicks on their website and that advertising spend that sort of comes along with it as well. Um, I think really recently um, across pretty much Australia generally, we've had the rental crisis definitely starting to support those numbers as well. So. For me, it actually seems like a, a good time to start accumulating. They have that exceptional track record of returns over a five-year basis. So I think it's one of those ones that you can start to pick up and you're pretty comfortable to hold. Um, and they're still doing a good job in the background of actually growing their business. So not only have they been growing it domestically by doubling their audience over the last uh, three years, um, but they're also looking to, to different markets, um, doing a fantastic job of growing in India at the moment pretty much growing that business sort of 50% year on year and they're doing similar things elsewhere in Asia. So look, we'll start to see some share price stabilisation um, when the rate hikes ease, which should be soon. Um, so it's a buy for me. And if you can afford to probably just accumulate again with these names, this is probably one of the opportunities that I just mm. want to accumulate slowly. Don't put your uh, don't put your full allocation into it just okay. yet. Um David, uh, what do you think about REA Group? Because uh, I was reading the other day, though, that the listings, property listings, are down about thirty or forty percent um, yes. across, across yeah. the capital cities. Um, that that would be bad news for REA Group, wouldn't it? Yeah, absolutely, and th and that's one of our key concerns with the business: uh, the fact that we have had a, a downturn in um, not only prices but then also activity, as you said. Uh, so. Yeah, we like the business as a, uh, as far as a, a management is concerned, uh, and they have done some good things. But we think that at current share price, it's it's probably a little bit overvalued. Um, our valuation on the the stock is a hundred dollars, so we've actually got a lightened recommendation on it, uh, and that's partly due to those uh, those near term concerns that you mentioned about the uh, the reduction in activity in in property uh reduction in listings happening at you know at, effectively it's an advertising business and if people aren't advertising on the platform that means their revenues are, are coming down mm. um as Brody mentioned they are expanding into india which is a positive and, and other parts of the world but at this point in time that's still very unprofitable 
so we think that yeah, current price. You know, if you if you pick them up in early Jan, you've done very well out of them. Uh, probably look at taking some profits at this level. Okay. All right. Uh, our next stock uh, based in Brisbane, so no bias. Uh, from you Queenslanders. Uh, Joe wants a view on Technology One, the, uh, the big tech company that basically sells software into, uh, um, into uh, councils and government um, based in Brisbane. Uh, David, what do you think of Tech One? Yeah, as you said, it's a it's a Brisbane-based company, and they have done very well. But um, in spite of that, we've actually got a, a light and recommendation on them. Um, think mm-hmm. it's a very competitive industry. Uh, the margins have been compressed over over recent times. Um, Jeez, David, that's a probably... that's a that's a good one-year chart, though. It is. It is. That's a great all one. the more reason to be taking profits at okay. the moment. Um, we think it's worth about eleven twenty. So uh, oh, yeah, wow. fourteen thirty eight. I think they're um, yeah probably a little bit overpriced at the moment. Um, yeah, again, good business, but share price uh, in in general is probably a little bit too strong. Yeah, but it's a it's a tech company that makes a profit, doesn't it? And, it is. That's right. Exactly. Year in year um, out. Very rare. <laughs> yeah, I got Brody. Yeah, so, as I say, long term we we like the business, but right. uh, yeah, just based on the, the share price, I think it's uh, yeah probably a little bit toppy at the moment. Wait for a pullback, Brody. What do you think of Technology mm. One? Yeah, I'll agree on that one. Look, it's uh, it's definitely a fantastic business. It's your sort of classic growth story, and it's been so consistent over a long term basis as well. Um, I think sort of a big contributing factor of that is the type of clients that they target for their software. Um, so their clientele basis, it's it's a lot to do with education, healthcare, sort of local government. Um, so you're going to find that pretty much most of their customers are pretty sort of sticky um, and in very sort of defensive sectors, which is very rare for a tech name. So look, it's kind of one of those things, if you start using their product, uh, it's going to be very difficult for you to, to leave as well. So. Their retention rate is exceptional. They can sort of plug those existing clients for those continual pay increases. They have that sort of inflation-linked revenues, and I think that's why it's done so well over the past year, even despite the economic environment that we've been in. But, yeah, I'm just going to have to agree with David on this one. Look, at the moment, it's, it's trading sort of uh, close to a 45 times earnings ratio. They have a really good sort of consistent 20-year 20 uh, year sort of outlook on EPS growth. But for me at the moment, if you hold it, you're probably comfortable to hold if your yeah, overview is long-term. Um, if you're not, I'd be taking profits at these levels and just waiting for the, the share price to cool down. Because there would be very few tech stocks in the last 12 to 18 months that would have a chart like that. Tech stocks around the world have been absolutely smashed. Um, David, why has this one done so well? Why has it gone against the trend of virtually every other tech stock? Yeah, I think because you've, as you said, it is profitable. It is one of the only rare ones that's profitable uh, and didn't really ever attract the very high multiples that um, Uh you know we saw it with the Fang stocks and then also some of the the stocks here. So it's it's really been treated more as an industrial company rather than a a tech stock. Um, And yeah, we're we're seeing a fairly rational market looking at a at a good business um, that's producing profits and paying dividends. Yeah, interesting. It can't put a foot wrong. It's been been terrific. All right. 
Uh, our next stock, uh, let's go from uh, one company that can't put a foot wrong to a company that uh, seems to get its feet in its mouth. Um, Brody Dina wants a view on AMP, one of the biggest financial brands in the country over generations. Uh, a horrible result. Um, last week, was it? It came out, got absolutely killed again. What do you, what do you think of AMP? Oh, probably the in one sentence. I don't really see a reason to buy this just straight off the bat. Um, look, they've got no competitive advantage in the space. Um, they've had this sort of outlook of, of being really sort of poor culture. And you do have to question the management on this as well. So I think if you just look at the share price over an extended period of time, it tells you a, a lot to do with the story. There's a lot of clients that regularly ask about businesses like AMP. They ask the question sort of how much worse could it get? The simple answer is much worse. Um, and look, if you bought the stock over the past couple of years, you're not really having a good time. So it is just this consistent downtrend. Those types of businesses that we want to stay away from at the moment. Last week's report, absolutely no different. Yeah, Koshi, I think it was down around 13% on the day. Um, look, a couple of bits and pieces. They announced a return of the dividend, but the net profit was down 34%. Assets under management down again, so nothing, uh, nothing special at all. So, look for for a business like this, it's going to take a lot more than return of a uh, a small dividend to attract um, some of those investors back. So, for me, if you're in it, sell. Um, if you're not, I, I probably wouldn't uh, bother looking at it at the moment. Yeah, Brody, what will it take to turn it around and bring investor confidence back? Sort of, they've done so. They've pruned and pruned and pruned, haven't they? And still missing targets. It's a difficult one to uh, put your finger on as well, because it is a lot to do with the actual culture of the business, um, and that's where you get a lot of the the poor headlines from. Um, look, not too many people want to work in the space or under a name like that at the moment. Um, look, a complete re revamp of the business, potential cha uh, yeah, name change, uh, I don't know. Um, look, I'm just glad I'm not the actual management on this one that has to, to turn the story around because, look, once it's in the, uh, the minds of investors and it's been there for so long, this consistent story, um, it's very difficult to, to shake that out of investors' minds. So, look, yeah, I'm just happy I'm not on that management. Yeah, um, and... David Lane, it sort of reminds me of a financial services version of Maya. You know, Maya, just great brand, smashed over decades, couldn't get it right, uh, a broken business model. And yes. it's ju only just started to tick up, but uh, 10 years after its glory days. Yeah, absolutely right. It, it's a very good uh, analogy that, um, yeah, AMP, everyone knows the, the brand. Uh, it's been around for a long time, but, yeah, it's definitely been tarnished over the last uh, the last decade. Um, it is a business that, uh, it, yeah, the result disappointed us as well. It was, it was well below expectations. Um, we've got a whole recommendation on it. Uh, valuation of a dollar thirty-five. Um, I you know, wouldn't necessarily be selling it at this at this price if you've been in it for uh, you know all those long-suffering years. I'd be holding it at, at current levels. Um, I was talking to a fund manager a couple of weeks ago about it, and and they actually have a fairly large position in AMP 
his view on the stock is that it's got about $2 billion of cash and uh, its balance sheet is in very, very good condition. They've now got new management in there. His view is, from a long-term point of view, that the turnaround is beginning uh, and that the potential is either for the company to use some of that cash for uh, strategic acquisitions or potentially even to get taken over itself. Um, so, you know, if you're in, in the stock for those long-term outcomes, it could be a, 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 a medium to long-term benefit. Um, but yeah, in the short term, it's it's really struggling. And as you said, similar to Maya, it's uh, a big yeah. ship to turn around and to change people's perception. Yeah, and gee, it's a, it's a hard spot to be in if you're a long-time AMP shareholder because you know, mm. you've gone through all the pain, agree, yep. um, and gee, do you hold on, hoping and, and admit you made a big mistake, which is all, yep. always hard in the psychology of an investor, or do you go, nah, stuff it, there are better opportunities <laughs> elsewhere. Um, yep. Talk to your accountant, ta- take the tax loss and offset it if you made gains on other shares. It's a really yes. hard position, isn't it? Oh, it is. It's uh, yeah, it's a it's a tough one, and um, yeah, heading into yeah towards the end of the financial year, it might be one that you look at uh, along with your advisor and accountant uh, yeah. at, at your own position, and either yeah, average average down or uh, sell out and and use that money elsewhere. But um, yeah, I, at some point in time, I think you know it's it's certainly not going broke. The business does have a, a solid balance sheet, um, but it's incumbent yeah. upon management to try and uh, you know, get some decent returns <laughs> out of it. Yeah, yeah, that, that's interesting. You're saying it's got two billion dollars in cash. Um, that's a you know if it if it had big levels of debt and at these levels, yeah. you'd think what a basket case. But two billion in cash. That's probably a well. Yeah, the asset sales have been good, uh, and you know the core businesses that it's got um, are still reasonable businesses. Um, but as Brody said, there's a, a fair bit to do to turn the culture around. Yeah, and also get the get the confidence of the market back in it, which is a big yeah. thing as well. Uh, let's recap the, uh, the the first five stocks, uh, including our stock of the day, Charter Hall, a hold from both David and Brady, uh, Baby Bunting. Um, a nibble, uh, accumulate from Brody, a hold from David, uh, Dicker Data, a hold from David, a sell from Brody, uh, REA, uh, take profits um, from David, and uh, um, uh, Brody sees this as, uh, as good buying at these levels. Tech One, take profits from both of them uh, because it's had a magnificent run up and AMP a hold from David and a sell from Brody. Uh, here on the call, we've been tracking our own high conviction fantasy growth fund as picked by our investment committee. Now, the latest episode of the committee meeting is live on the platform, ozobiz.com at the moment. Uh, if you want to check the, the discussion there, it was a really interesting, robust discussion on the portfolio. Uh, it concluded that Aristocrat and JB Hi-Fi were removed from the portfolio. Paradigm and New Century Resources were added, plus BHP, CSL and Boss Energy weightings were increased. So let's see how the portfolio is performing. And since the 1st of March last year, it's up 
just over 13%. But keep sending in uh, your request to the call because this is the first filter that gets to the investment committee. Any stock that gets um, a unanimous buy from our expert panel goes up to the committee to see if it should be included in the portfolio. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. Uh, this half hour, we're going to take a look at Woodside <laughs> Energy, Brain Chip, Money Me, uh, ANZ, mm. and the Charter Hall Long Whale REIT. So uh, a good mixture there. Uh, Brody Sam wants a view on Woodside Energy, the Australia's biggest oil and gas producer. Uh, recently took over uh, all BHP's oil assets as well yeah it's got that bhp glow at the moment look woody's is it's an interesting one um i'd like to disclose that it's a company that i am involved in and have always liked this space but look i think it's probably worthwhile spotting a couple of uh of the red flags for us at the moment look we think sort of firstly the bhp merger has led to a lot of momentum in the space and, and somewhat sort of investor loyalty um, this has happened in the past with sort of names like Blue Scope and, and South 32 as well. So I think if you look at it in a comparative uh, standpoint, it's probably at higher multiples than some of those competitors, um, Is it, uh, like Santos, uh, for example. Uh, to actually sort of translate what you're saying, the BHP Glow means that usually when BHP sells something, it does better on its own that it did with inside BHP, like Blue Scope and South 32. Well, that's it. I think if you uh, put the BHP name into any business, <laughs> um, if you're doing business with BHP, uh, yeah, you usually tend to get this investor loyalty around it right. as well. It is yep. the, the great right, Australian company after all. Yep. Um, so that was sort of red flag number one for us at the moment. I think number two, the economic conditions, uh, I don't think you sort of get too much better than they did last year. Uh, obviously, you had uh, Ukraine invasion pushing the oil and gas prices higher, um, and the world economy was running hot alongside of it as well. So look, we do need to remember it's a, it's a cyclical business. Um, so you're probably comfortable involved in it at the moment, but you do need to be careful of this. Um, and leading into the report, it, it's had a sort of relatively rough earnings history. I think if you look back over the past sort of five years, 50% of the earnings releases have been negative for Woodside. Right. So a 50-50 chance to me doesn't sound sort of particularly great. Um, and then sort of from a last standpoint, it's it's a bit disconnected from the actual underlying oil and uh, natural gas price as well. So if you look at it from a one-year basis, the Woodside uh, share price is outperforming. Obviously, some of those underlying commodities relatively heavy as well. So. Look, I love the name. Um, that sounds like a lot, a lot of sort of uh, a negative approach at the moment, but love the name. I've actually been sort of trimming some of the exposure a little bit higher. Um, I think you'd expect over a sort of longer period of time that either the oil and gas prices will come up to meet the Woodside share price or the Woodside share price will start to come down to meet the underlying commodities as well. So. 
Look, probably start to trim some of your Woodside allocation. If you want to get tricky, you could probably look to sell Woodside and actually buy oil. Um, and there's an underlining ETF called Triple O that you can get that direct exposure there as well. So okay. there's an idea for you. So when you say trim, take some profits mm. on Woodside, how much would you trim? Oh, look, it really depends on your allocation size. And that's just sort of based on the, uh, the investment outlook or the investor itself. Look, if you want to do sort of half your allocation, that's fine. It has been sort of range trading, particularly last year. Yeah. Um, so you can look to obviously sort of rebuy a little bit lower on in the range and start to trade it if you are a little bit more active. But yeah, look, for those bigger sort of portfolios, we've just been trimming a third okay. of the exposure and actually rotating that into oil. Um, same with Sandoz. Is that a, a view on the sector or just on Woodside? I think probably the the last sort of two of them, those points, are a view on the sector. Obviously, look, for Santos, it's the exact same situation. The economic conditions yeah. are not going to sort of get too much better necessarily. However, Santos is actually trading on a slightly sort of better uh, multiple in comparison to Woodside. Woodside is still sort of our preferred name, but if you look at it just from a valuation standpoint, I'd be doing the same thing with Santos, yeah, as well at the end of the day. Um, they do sort of trade somewhat side by side. It's just on a, a lower PE ratio. Okay. David, what's your view on Woodside? Yeah, we're a bit more positive on it. Uh, we think that it's a, it's good value at, at current levels, so we've got an accumulate recommendation. Uh, our, we've actually upgraded our, our valuation to 4450 uh, following the, the result. And, um, yeah, part of the... Oh, the that's up 30%. Yeah. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah so it's, um, yeah, reasonable uh, outlook for the business. Um, yeah, as Brody rightly said, uh, the... The, the oil price has been in a in a sweet spot and and will come down and i think it's important for anyone in woodside who looks at their fundamentals and looks at the fact that it's on a pe of 7.2 times and a dividend yield of 10.4 times fully franked that's not always going to continue and that uh next year you know we will see a a, a bit of a decline in earnings uh and and likely a decline in that dividend um but having said that the dividend yield will still be seven or eight percent so still a very uh good dividend yield um and interestingly with the bhp assets that they've bought uh it's not really a cash item but part of the the accounting item uh, is that they've actually got some very large depreciation that comes through over the next few years, which will sort of help uh, help some of their earnings as well from a uh, an after tax basis. Um, so yeah, we like the business; think it's it's reasonable value at, at current levels. So we're accumulating, so we can uh, yeah maybe buy some of those uh, shares that the Brody's um, taking profits <laughs> on. <laughs> okay, um, but that that um, oil price what? $76 over the weekend US. So really a, yep. after a very mild uh, uh, winter in the Northern Hemisphere, it's certainly OPEC's not, yeah. not boosting it at all. No, that's been part of the issue. Uh, you know, the, the uh, milder European winter. Um, yeah. We think medium and longer term, you know, $100 oil price is reasonable. Uh, but, mm. you know, the the thing about Woodside is most of their um, their gas is via long term contracts, and they've yeah. they've locked in uh, some very good contracts, uh, particularly to China. But then they're also you know selling some gas to Germany and other places mm -hmm. now. 
so yeah, they're not as leveraged to the oil prices okay. uh, you know some of the other explorers might be. All right, let's go from oil to uh, uh, artificial intelligence. Um, Jane wants a view, David, on brain chip holdings. Uh, they're in neuromorphic computing, which is basically AI, uh, and also design of uh, semiconductors based in Perth. Um, what do you think of brain chip? Yeah, it's a bit of a, a tough one to uh, to get my head around. Um, you know, obviously, there's been so much talk over uh, AI and Chat GPT over the last yeah. uh, last few uh, months. Um, brain chip. You know, the share price hasn't reacted positively. Uh, you would think that if if anything in this environment, people would be looking around at uh, at AI businesses and um, you know, maybe having a bit of a punt on them. Um, but that hasn't been the case. In fact, they were uh, queried by the stock exchange uh, last week for their their drop in in share price, and uh, the company didn't come up with any any reason. Um, difficult one to get my head around i've got to say so it's probably one that i'd uh, i'd be uh, avoiding at this point right. in time yep uh brody what do you think of um of brain chip we bit nano came up last week uh on the call which has um had a, a totally different trajectory and um uh, a lot of people confuse the two between the two and we talked about it last week but uh what do you think of brain chip yeah, look, it's it's the classic sort of story stock, realistically, and it's yeah. it's got some of those big investors behind it. Look, I mean, for me, I'm not interested uh, in holding it at the moment. I think if they get what they're going for, it's going to be an absolutely sort of fantastic result for them. Um, but for me, look, it all has to do with the valuation and the economic conditions that we're at at the moment. Even at these levels, look, the, the market's still pricing in a great case scenario for brain chip. Um, so for a risk to reward ratio, look, you're going to probably have to, to wait a long time before sort of considering it. I just think the economic environment is not good for them um, and the people that they're going up against are, are pretty massive as well. Yeah. So I'll sit on the sidelines for this one. It's too much of a, a risk for me as the, the company keeps burning money. Um, so if you're not in it, I, I wouldn't even sort of uh, consider looking at it right now. Yeah, D David makes a really good point, though. Um you read about ChatGPT, artificial intelligence. You know, as you said, uh, Brainchip is a story stock built around stories. It's been a great mm. story the last three months around AI, and no one has touched it, Brody. Yeah, well, that's also another concern as well because it has been uh, yeah a couple of those big words. ChatGDP um, has been all over the news. <laughs> Look, the you, you think that's sort yep. of. Well, that's exactly right, yes. Um, whether people know exactly what they mean, I'm not too sure. But everything's happening in the space right now. The, the share price really hasn't reflected that. Um, look, like David said, they had a price query the other day um, because their share price was actually going the other way as well. So, um, look, I haven't looked into it uh, too much and what that all means. But, yeah, for me, the fact that the store is behind it and uh, it's not taking advantage that's yeah. probably a concern as well. Yeah. When you're a story stock and the story's not working, that's um, yeah. that's a bit of a red flag. Um, what is? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Brody Liam wants a view on Money Me, the uh, the big digital uh, consumer credit business, uh, provides uh, its lenders financing solutions, uh, a whole bunch of personal funding, personal loans, cash loans, quick cash loans, uh, credit cards. What do you think of Money Me? been in a 
tough spot recently, hasn't it? Um, so, look, I think sort of the market yourself is, is telling you it's worried about the lending rates and the outlook at the moment. I think it actually can be sort of quite a, a difficult business to understand sometimes. Um, that being said, look, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that there's probably a small opportunity here. Again, no. it's it's sort of similar to baby bunting. I think if they're one of those uh, names in the space that can come out the other side um, of these very difficult conditions, they will do really well. Um, I think what was interesting and what I enjoyed sort of having a bit of a read through was that report um, was actually quite promising. I mean, there's been a lot of loss-making businesses on the ASX. What they're doing at the moment is outlining those plans to sort of hit profitability over the next, say, few years or so. Um, Money Me, they basically reacted to it straight away um, and they've obviously sort of hit that profit figure as well. So I think that's really positive. If a, a business is uh, able to do that and, and sort of immediately respond to the macro environment, I actually find that sort of quite impressive. Look, the uh, the report was good for me. Um, it shot up on the day and I think there's a lot of sellers in there um, looking to get out of the stock as well. So it has just been sort of hammered back down to that uh, price pre-report. But I think if you look at the yeah what they're doing, they're diversifying the, the risk of their books slightly, um, adjusting their credit risk profile down. Um, so I might actually go out there and say that uh, I'm comfortable to buy a very, very small amount of this as well. Look, don't go in with a full allocation. There's a lot of investors hurting on this one. There's a yeah. lot of investors in the red. They're going to look for any excuse to sort of try and get out as well. So, look, if, you, uh, yeah, if you're interested in these stocks, um, potential growth stock over a long period of time, this could be your one. Um, but I'd only be dipping in um, with a very small allocation okay. to start okay. off with, David. Okay, when you, when you talk about a small allocation, and let's uh, put, put this with baby bunting because you, you had a, a similar view on that. Um, yeah. Say you've got an allocation and your target is 100%, what would mm. you put in now? A serv- What's your definition probably, of a small allocation? You'd probably look to go in in, in thirds, realistically. So you've got to sort of figure in out thirds, um, right. the smaller cap positions, obviously for baby bunting, um, and also for Money Me, they're going to be small allocations for your whole portfolio generally. Yep. Um, and then, look, usually you sort of want to work a stock in at least about sort of three allocations is usually a good right. time. Right. Um, so it's very difficult to, to pick the bottom, um, particularly of some of these shares, um, if they're on that sort of downgrade cycle or they've been hammered by the market recently. So, yeah, don't try and pick the bottom. Um, no. Just try and sort of pick up okay. small allocations and, and wait a little while. So small is a third of what you have been eventually um, third of what they're looking to okay. do. Uh, yeah. David, uh, Ord's view on Money Me? Yeah, I tend to agree with what Brody said. It's a uh, yeah, pretty sensible um, view on the stock. Uh, we had a hold recommendation on it when the result came out. Um, and yeah, it was, it was actually a good result. It, as Brody said, it responded very, very well, but we've seen the, the stock down about 20 cents from its its result. Uh, so now it's probably looking you know, more appealing. Our valuation on the company is 62 cents. So it's, uh, you know, it's certainly got upside from the current price. Um, but probably the caveat is that one of the the keys to the business growing uh, is that they'll need to get some more capital injection. So they're looking at 
uh, a strategic capital injection around April this year. Uh, so, you know, over the next couple of months, they'll need to do a bit of work to make sure that they've effectively, you know, got more got more money so that they can then lend it out. Uh, but uh, yeah, current prices, um, yeah, it probably looks attractive. So as Brody said, look at, uh, at at adding to your position or or nibbling away at it at current levels, but not committing fully to it, um, okay. given the, the volatility that we've seen. So twenty four cents your valuation is above sixty. Yeah, sixty two. Yeah, we actually reduced it. We had a, a valuation of seventy seven cents on it. Um, but uh, yeah, sixty two. The share price has come down about eighty seven percent over the last twelve months. So yeah. it's uh, you know it's it's it, it's a business that um, is in the a good sector uh, and there is demand for credit. Uh, so it's um, you know a, a reasonable business and yeah. and could well do well over the next twelve months. And it is profitable. All right. Um, mm. Kim wants a view. Let's go to the other extent uh, of the uh, of the financial services uh, spectrum. Kim wants a view, David, on ANZ, one of the big four banks. What yep. do you think of ANZ? Yeah, I think ANZ is is reasonable value at current prices. Um, you know, we spoke about CBA last week and and the fact that it. Uh, commands a big premium, um, whereas ANZ and, and Westpac uh, haven't commanded the premium that, that CBA have. Um, and it is a, a, a business that's well managed. Um, they're currently going through the process of, of purchasing Suncorp uh, Bank, which uh, I think is a, a smart acquisition for the business. Um, actually met with Suncorp management last week and their indication is that the, the banking business is doing very, very well uh, and that they you know, have been in increasing their market share as far as the, the mortgage market's concerned uh, and increasing their um, their customer engagement, which is a positive as well. So I think medium and longer term, that will be a, a positive acquisition for ANZ on the assumption that it gets through all the, the regulatory approvals. Um, but yeah, I think that at current levels, it's it's reasonable price. Uh, we've got an accumulate recommendation on it and think that uh, it should continue to, to provide a, a reasonable yield and, and decent profits. Mm. Uh, Brody, what do you think of ANZ? Yeah, I think if you, you just probably look at the financial sector at the moment, it's a, a bit of a catch-22. Um, a lot of these banks, they sort of seem like they're in this sort of Goldilocks period right now. Um, so obviously a big concern and a lot of the market's aware of this already. Um, but we have a lot of these loans flipping from a floating rate to a fixed rate. Um, and look, that's really good for the businesses in the short term. It's those uh, three magical words for the banks. It's net interest margin. Um, obviously, the more the rates are lifted, the more breathing room they actually have to pass that on to consumers as well. Um, so I think we're sort of in that period where, look, you can expect their reports to be very positive. All this business that they've brought in over the past couple of years, while the APRA restrictions uh, were not that difficult for them, um, expect them to sort of cash on that quite considerably. Um, what you need to be aware of is if you're holding quite a lot of these banks, um, we need to be aware of the, the risk of default at the moment. So, look, a lot of these banks, they haven't sort of stress tested their loans probably quite enough as, uh, yeah, to know exactly how they'll hold up. I think a lot of them only sort of stress test their loans a, a couple of percent. And obviously, we've had quite a uh, severe increase in the interest rates in the interim as well. So, Look, it's a little bit of an unknown commodity. I think you're comfortable if you're in the space at the moment, because like I said, 
they're increasing their margins. They should do really well. All this business that they brought through the door, they can really start to cash in on it. I think, though, if you've got a lot of exposure in the banks, maybe have a look at Lightning after the report. Um, but I think at the moment I'm just comfortable to hold and uh, wait for their right. sort of uh, reports to come through. So you're not in this uh, position of saying with the banks this is as good as it gets. Look, I think it's I think it's probably close to um, before right. the actual risks start to come through as well. Because look, they're just starting now um, to lift and basically increase that net interest margin. Um, obviously, what the market or what some people of the market are concerned about is when they do start to flick a lot of these loans over to a floating rate loan. Um, the repayments are almost sort of fifty percent more than they were previously, um, right. if not more than that as well. So. Yeah, there comes the question, um, look, how much of the market can handle that increase um, and how much can't? Yeah, okay. All right, and our final stock, uh, an old favourite of uh, many of our viewers here on the call. Uh, Cam wants an update, Brody, on Charter Hall Long Whale Fund, the uh, uh, the Real Estate Investment Trust, uh, Whale, W-A-L-E, stands for Weighted Average Lease, whatever, I've forgotten what the E is. Expiry. Expiry, that's it. <laughs> and uh, the long in front of it means it has long dated leases and very steady tenants. Uh, Brody, what do you think of this one? Rootspace has, has been on a bit of a rebound recently. Um, look, we've been involved in the space, um, not through this name, realistically. I mean, for us, we like the names that are focused on the industrial space. So CIP, for example, um, I think at the moment we're not sort of completely comfortable stepping into um, a lot of these REITs that have a lot of office space exposure. So I think around sort of 20% of the, the makeup of this REIT is office exposure. So that's sort of one of the issues that we have there. Um, and red flag number two for us, look, it's actually got quite a, a high sort of amount of debt. I think the debt to equity oh. ratio is 41%. Um, that's actually quite a lot higher than a lot of the comparables, even if you look at some of the other charter hall names in, in general as well. So look, your expenses straight away, if you've got a higher debt ratio, um, are going to be increasing. Um, and red flag number three, look, because of the long whales, um, they can't actually negotiate some of their contracts, even while rates go up in the interim as well. So sometimes they are losing their, look, I think sort of 50% of their leases are linked to inflation. Um, which is a good thing, but that's actually quite low for a lot of these, uh, yeah, a lot of these REITs in the space. So look, there's a couple of uh, leases that they have in there. Like I think recently the Endeavour one that they uh, just signed is for six years. They're locked into that. Um, and if they're not sort of linked to inflation, then they're losing out each time we have an interest rate hike as well. Right. So look, I, th I think just when you look at the name, I think there's betters in the space. Um, if you really sort of want exposure to the REIT space at the moment, our personal favourite is CIP. That's going to focus a lot in the industrial space as okay. well. Okay. All right. David? Uh, yeah, we have a, a bit of a different view. We actually like the business and, and have a buy recommendation on it. I uh, think that it, um, you know, due to the fact that it does have that long whale, uh, that they do have some very, very good quality tenants that are unlikely to um, you know, break those those leases. Uh, a lot of it's to government and a lot of it's to the to the blue chip companies. So I think that 
Uh, you know, it's a conservatively managed business. Um, agree with Brody's view on the uh, on the gearing, though. It is a little bit high. Uh, and they have actually been selling some assets recently, and I guess part of the benefit of being part of that that uh, charter hall stable is that a couple of the assets that they sold they actually sold slightly above book value by selling them to other um, businesses within the charter hall stable so um, you know whether whether or not that's a good thing or not uh, it's good for shareholders of uh, charter hall long whale um, may, may not be for the others who bought it Possibly, yeah, yeah. Um, but it does show, I guess, the power of, of Charter Hall as, as yep. a funds management business and, and the fact that it does have uh, a lot of fingers in, in a lot of different um, pies as far as both listed and unlisted um, uh, yeah, asset managers. Yep. Um, and, yeah, the business will start to uh, sell some assets over time, which is probably part of the reason that the the market has a, a little bit of a concern over it. Um, but we think at current levels, they're trading about 23% below NTA, dividend yield of 6.1%. So if you're after a, a conservative um, you know, long-term asset that gives you a good dividend, it's, it's a good one in your portfolio. Okay. All right. Okay, uh, that's it for our 10 stocks. David Lane from Ords, good to see you, mate. Thank you for that. Uh, Brody Harold from Macro. Uh, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Uh, you Queenslanders can get back to business now <laughs> and head into lunchtime. All right. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Let's recap the final five stocks. Woodside, Accumulate from um, from David Lane and Ords uh, from Brody at Macro, Take Profits. They'd prefer to get into the triple, uh, triple zero or triple O ETF, uh, the direct oil ETF. Uh, brain chip and O from both. Money me and nibble from both. Um, actually, tickets, uh, but not put in your full allocation whatsoever. ANZ a hold from Brody and accumulate from David and the Charter Hall Long Whale REIT. Uh, a note from Brody, um, macro prefer uh, REITs focus more on industrial. They like the Centuria industrial REIT um, and a buy from David. Um, that's it from us for uh, for today. If you'd like any stocks for me to cover and put to our expert panel on your behalf, put them in an email to call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us on osbiz.tv um, using the hashtag osbiz.tv. More market news coming up. A lot of views, a lot of guests on the Pulse next. If you're watching us live, uh, the Boss of O Media is coming up. If you're watching us on Catch Up or on the podcast, uh, go to the platform to uh, check out the uh, the interview with uh, the Boss of O Media that reported this morning. A lot more on Ausbiz coming up. Don't go away. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. 
Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 